just to explain a few things, we're doing things in slightly different order. So um, we're going to think this morning about Ascension in a moment. I'm going to say what that is. But that's because next weekend, when we would usually be doing Ascension, the children and youth are going to lead us in our Jubilee service, thinking about the Queen and her servant King. That's next Sunday, so that's going to be great. And then the following Sunday, uh, Sunday is Pentecost, that's Sunday 5th which is a big festival for the church. We're going to have a bring and share lunch. It's going to be great. So please do sign up for that. Do join us uh, Sunday 5th. That will be a special one. Now, I want to talk about ascension, though. Ascension and why the ascension matters. But first, what even is it? This Thursday, 26th, is Ascension Day. And we're not familiar with Ascension Day because it's not a public holiday. So here's my first little bit of beef. We don't celebrate Ascension Day in this country, but many, many other countries do. They have a public holiday. We have so few public holidays in the UK. But in Europe, they will be, everyone will be stopping work this Thursday to have a holiday. I know we get, we get, we've got a few public holidays coming up, but we would usually have Ascension Day as well. Um, here's where it's a holiday right now. It's, Ascension Day is a public holiday in France, Germany, Austria, Belgium, Finland, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, Norway, Sweden. That's just Europe. So we are, we are hard done to here in the UK that we don't have a public holiday this coming Thursday. So we can write to our MPs. Please write to your MP. We can get mob supplies and head down to Westminster at some stage. Ascension Day should be a public holiday. Because otherwise we don't know what it is. Let me think. Let us just think for a few moments what it actually is. So Jesus, if you remember... He died on a cross, then he was raised to new life, and then for 40 days he appeared, and he, he ate meals, and people touched him, put his hands in their sides and in his scars, and then 40 days after he was risen from the dead, he ascended. He ascended to heaven in full view of his disciples, and it was just that. There they were on the mountain, and Jesus' feet lifted off from the ground, and he went upwards, and eventually a cloud hid him and took him out of their sight. Now, I, my first degree, as it happens, long before I came into ministry, was in aeronautical engineering. So I look at something like the Ascension, I'm thinking to myself, I'm wondering, well, first of all, how fast, like what was the velocity, how quickly were the disciples just watching Jesus and going, there he goes, like that? Or was it a bit more of a, whoa, there he goes? I don't know, but I'd be interested. Then how far? Like, I'm interested how far. How far does he actually go? Because presumably it's beyond the clouds. It's not in this sort of first heaven where the birds, where the birds fly around, you know, like that. Not in what the Bible would call the second heaven, where the stars and the planets are, what we would call space, that big, vast space out there. Even beyond that, somehow somehow to the highest heaven to the throne room of God that's where he's off to so I'm just wondering how, how far even is that anyway the Bible doesn't really get involved in some of these details but it does talk about the significance of it all and that's what we're going to look at and I promise you right I have six reasons we're going to rattle through them these are for our souls to feed on and I want them to have Monday morning purpose I'm not just doing a sort of a, an interesting class on how Jesus left this earth. This is stuff that I want to go into our heart and help us 
on Monday morning. Um, and I hope it does. Six reasons. Are you ready? Here's the first one. The ascension of Jesus extends his reach to the whole world, including you and me. Got a little illustration for this. Imagine a bomb. Not a bomb that kills people, but a bomb that might blast open a mountainside to create a tunnel or, um, you know, create a new quarry where you could mine new resources. A bomb. You've got this amazing bomb. It's an incredible device. It's going to do it a powerful and explosive work. Really, really amazing. But you don't have a detonator. Doesn't matter how good your bomb is. It might be this amazing thing. It's just a lump in front of you without a detonator. And so it is, I think, a little bit bit of an illustration. I want us to have that sort of explosive idea in our minds because that is a bit, a bit like what the ascension of Jesus does. He's died on the cross. He's done this amazing thing. He's died on the cross. He's risen from the dead. But how is that power and life going to be sort of exploded out around the world? Answer, the ascension. That's the handover moment. That's the moment when Jesus stops being one person locally in the Middle East somewhere and starts being gloriously exalted and reigning through his people throughout the world such that the news about Jesus and what he's done has come all the way down 2,000 years and 2,000 miles here. Here we are talking about it now. You know, maybe you're hearing this for the very first time. We're talking about this now because he ascended. And it's not, we don't have to go over to Jerusalem and meet a man. Jesus is working out his purposes through his people. Just have a look at this verse here. This is Acts chapter 1 and verses 1 and 2. This is just how Luke opens his second book. So he writes a gospel, the gospel of Luke, and then he writes this book, and this is how he starts. Just listen to this word. I've got one word for you in this sentence. In my former book, Theophilus, that's who he's writing to, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do until the day he was taken up into heaven. Which means that Luke's now going to tell you about all the stuff that Jesus continues to do. But that is going to be through his people, his church, his disciples, his apostles. He trusted them with that work, and it's come all the way down to you and me here today. That's point number one. Uh, the ascension's like a detonator. Bang! And out goes the gospel to the whole world. Number two, the ascension reveals the heart of the king. The ascension of Jesus brings in the kingdom. Let me, um, let me tell you a little bit about the coronation. I think the children are going to tell us a little bit more about this next week. But when Queen Elizabeth or when any king or queen of England gets um, coronated, they get given loads of stuff, a lot of bling basically, uh, what do they get? Like um, stirrups, you know, the things from, you know, off a horse, like golden stirrups, golden bracelets, a ring, a glove, a robe. But the one you probably know about is the orb and the scepter, right? They get that, all these stuff, these things given to them. It's like, now that you're becoming the Queen of England, we're going to vest you with this authority and power all symbolized in these gifts. And then the Queen, having done all of this ceremony, will, will give a speech, or the King will give a speech. And it will be like, okay, so what's this reign going to be like? 
what's this king or this queen going to be like? They're going to give their inaugural speech. What are they going to do? What kind of king or queen are they going to be? Now check out what happens at the ascension of Jesus. So cool. Um, this comes from Acts chapter 2, the next, uh, next, next passage here. And everyone has, in the room at this point, as we read this, everyone in the room has been um, powerfully changed. And something's going on and everyone can see it. And Peter stands up and he says these things. He said, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. Now here it is. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father what gifts? What gift? What did he receive? The promised Holy Spirit and has poured out that promised Holy Spirit that you now see and hear. So when Jesus ascends and he's coronated as king of glory, he doesn't get 24 karat gold stuff. He gets, the Lord presents him with, if you like, the life and soul and creative power of the universe, the spirit of the living God. It's like the father then says to the son, here you are, you've been mighty in battle, you're victorious, you're now coronated, the king of glory, the spirit of the living God is upon you. Now do what you will. You have all authority. What will you do? And at that point, benevolent King Jesus goes, all right, I'll pour out this spirit upon all flesh. And everyone who wants to receive this spirit of the living God can do. Here he comes. It's like a torrent. Now, isn't that, isn't that wonderful? That's the kind of King Jesus is. Having received all of that, it's not just gold jewellery, but the life of God, he pours it out. Benevolent King Jesus, there he is at his ascension. At his ascension day, that's his inaugural act. It's great, isn't it? Three, the ascension of Jesus means we have one like us, one like me in heaven, one like you. Uh, who watched the Euros? Anyone watched the Euros last weekend? Has anyone since last weekend flashed up the song that nearly got us first spot? No, not many Euro fans. <laughs> okay, not so many Eurovision fans. Um, in that case, this is illustration is going to go down really badly. I, um, when I, I didn't watch the Euros, but I did see the guy Sam Ryder. And there was a little bit of, um, you know, there was a little bit of a tingle, a bit of a whoop. Oh, yay! When I found out that Sam Ryder, lo and behold, is from Malden, Essex. Yeah, he was born in Malden, went to school in Chelmsford. So he's an Essex lad, right? So there was, in the Eurovision Song Contest that we nearly won, like best result in 20-odd years, whatever, there was our guy. There was our man. Sam Ryder from Essex, the Essex boy, he's gone up, he's the man with the microphone, there he is, right in the middle of everything. So that was like, that's quite a heartwarming thing. Now if you feel that, of course that's quite trivial, Eurovision, you know, it's a good light show, isn't it? But Eurovision, quite trivial, but do you feel that when you think about the ascension of Jesus? 
That's what's happening. Someone like me, someone with flesh and bone, someone who knows what it's like, someone who's felt weakness and pain, someone who knows what it is to be tempted and tried, someone who knows what it's like to have a body that's broken and failing and doesn't work properly and hurts and dodgy knees. He knows what that's like. Someone who's walked a few miles on planet Earth like we have. Someone like that is there. The Bible really goes for this. Let me read you these verses. Calls Jesus a high priest. And uh, this section, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4 says this. We don't have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us, therefore, approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Do you see that? Because there's someone like me. We're all about representation at the moment, isn't it? I need to see me. I need to see someone like me in order to feel sort of a sense of, I belong here. We see ourselves in heaven because Jesus is there. It's not like some weird, far-off, distant, weird God who we don't know about, but it's Jesus who knows what it's like to be bullied and you know, ill-treated, hurt, put on a cross. He's there. So good, isn't it? The ascension of Jesus means we have one like us in heaven. Number four, the ascension of Jesus puts everything in perspective. I promised you, I promised you at the beginning of this talk that I wanted it to be relevant for Monday morning. So here's my, here's my shot at Monday morning, especially when Monday morning's about to turn very, very bad, which it might do. I don't know what you're necessarily going to have to face tomorrow. But let's imagine it is you're coming up to the hardest season of your life. I want you to think of the ascended Jesus. Here's why. There was a guy, um, also like you and me, quite a, simple, quite a simple guy, really. He would wait on tables. That was his call. That's what he did. He just um, he served food. Uh, but he was a Christian, and he saw God do some really amazing thing in people's lives as he prayed for people, as he was spending time with people, prayed for people. Um, he saw the Lord do some powerful things in people's lives, and it got him in trouble. The authorities, the authorities at the time who didn't think religion was meant to be practiced as he was practicing it got a little bit uppity about it. In fact, they took him to task for the way he was living and praying and things he was doing. They started questioning him, pressing in quite hard, interrogating. And it was difficult, but at the end of this whole interrogation process, this guy describes a, a faith sight, like a vision of Jesus um, beside the glory of the living God. So the glory of God, he sees the glory of God, and then he sees the Lord Jesus at his right hand. And he actually says this. He says this out loud as he's being interrogated. And at that point, they go nuts on him. They jump him, take him out, and they end up stoning him. 
you know what I'm talking about? Stephen. Stephen from Acts chapter 7 and 8. He, when he was facing a stoning, saw the ascended King Jesus. There he is. And even as he was being dragged out, even in that moment, he was able to say, look, they don't know. He was able to mimic Jesus. You remember when Jesus was on the cross and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. So Stephen at that point, encouraged by seeing the ascended Christ, went, they don't know what they're doing. Lord, forgive them, they don't understand. They don't hold it against them. So you see, when he saw when he saw Jesus like that, he was like, it's okay. Jesus is on the throne. Even though you guys are about to literally come at me with stones, you're about to throw stones at me, I can endure that because Jesus is on the throne. That was Stephen's experience of the ascension. And it can be yours too and it can be mine too. When things get really tough, and you know there's probably going to be no way out of this. This is probably going to end like this. Jesus is on the throne. The ascended Christ, he's there. It's okay. It's all right. You get perspective. Number five. Here we go. The ascension of Jesus shows us the way home. Let's get a bit tender for a moment with number five. Because at the moment, I've just up till now, I've talked about power and authority and thrones and kings and kingdoms and that sort of thing. But... Also, Jesus' ascension is a homecoming for him. Let's not forget. It's a glorious homecoming. I don't, I don't know if you remember what homecomings were like for you as a child. I remember coming home, EastEnders, home and away. Any takers? A few biscuits, packet crisps. Remember that? Do you remember going off on like your first camp? Did you ever do that when you went to scout camp or brownie camp or whatever it is? And you went off. I remember going off. I remember being in a tent with a guy who constantly smoked cigars. That was my experience. That was my first scout camp. Back in those days, he was just smoking cigars in his tent. And I remember looking forward, actually, thinking, oh, I really need to get home. I can't wait to get home. I got home. Dad took me out from Macadies. It was wonderful. We went out. Uh, he actually got me one. Of, do they still do the apple pies and ice creams? Apple pie and ice cream. It wasn't McFlurries. It was, it was fruits back then. Apple pies, deep fried apple pies. And that was like a homecoming for me. You must have your similar experiences of that. Like maybe it was with the nana, with your mom or whatever, a homecoming. When, um, when Jesus ascends, it's a magnificent, wonderful homecoming. Like a victorious soldier who's won his battle, is now returning home. And Mary Magdalene, do you remember the story of Mary? She meets Jesus in the garden. Do you remember this? And when she realizes, oh, it's Jesus, the risen Lord Jesus, she wants to hold him. She wants to hold on to him. She wants to hug him. And this is what Jesus says. Let's uh, stick this up on the screen. Jesus said, this is what he said to Mary Magdalene. He said, don't hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Let's just pause there a second. It's not that Jesus was being weird here about touch or body, like because Jesus had plenty of people touch him. You know, he's, I said at the beginning, like he had scars, he put, people put fingers in his scars. It wasn't, wasn't that Jesus was being weird here. But he said this, go instead to my brothers and tell them, 
I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. So you can see what he's doing there. He's like, this is going to be a homecoming for me, but it's also going to be your homecoming too. My ascension is going to signal your ascension because my father is your father and my God is your God. Like that. So when you see Jesus going home to his father in heaven, you're like, that's going to be me. I'm going to have that one day soon because my father is your father says Jesus it's going to be a homecoming for you too finally number six last one the ascension of Jesus will be reversed remember I said at the beginning they saw Jesus go up he went up don't know how fast but up he went and then they're looking up there thinking uh, what's going to happen next? And two angels appear, men dressed in white appear, and they say this. This is verse 11 of chapter 1, Acts chapter 1. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking at the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken up from you into heaven will come back in the same way that he went up uh, into heaven like that. He will return. What you've seen him do going up into heaven will be true as he comes down one day future. Now, let me just close with this. I want to give you one last picture, which has been so helpful to me in thinking about the ascension and why it's relevant to my life. Here we go. This is the last um, picture just to, just to hold on to. In God's ancient, um, amongst God's ancient people of Israel, the, the um, Long before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, there was a very, very special day in a very, very special tent. They had a tent in the middle of the city. Imagine like two million people, a tent, and in that tent, called the tabernacle, later the temple, but in that tent, there was a special room called the Most Holy Place, and no one went there, ever. It was like the place where the Lord dwells, except for one day of the year one day and one person went in there called the high priest it was called the day of atonement so you had this like um this kind of place that represented heaven amongst the people in this tabernacle and one day it was a sabbath day you would rest everyone would rest no one would do any work on that day they would gather they'd be there and everyone would wait as the high priest went in. And at that moment, I haven't got this verse on the screen, but you can read it for your life if you like. It's from Leviticus 16, verse 17. It says, At that time, when the high priest goes in, there is to be nothing else happening in the temple, or the tabernacle, as it was. Nothing else happening. Now, in that sense, the, the, um, the tabernacle was where all the religious activity happened where all the sacrifices were going on. It was like the center of their life together. All of the work of sacrificing animals and all that kind of thing, which was their way of relating to the Lord, that stopped. All of that stopped when the high priest went in. And all the people did in that moment, just imagine it, just imagine it for a second. 
All they're doing is standing there and waiting for the high priest to reemerge, to come back out. That was their job. That was all they were. That was the only thing left to happen was for the high priest to come back out. So in a sense, because Jesus has done that for real, because he's actually gone into the most holy place, the highest heaven, he's now with the Lord God, in a sense, all, all of our religious work, that's all done with now. There is no more work, no more kind of religious work to be done. It's finished. Totally finished. The only job we have as God's people now is to sort of stand on parade and be a symbol to the world that Jesus is about to return. That's kind of the church's mission. We're just standing here, sort of announcing to the world as we stand and wait that the great high priest is about to reemerge. That's the ascension. That's the picture you can hold, you can hold in your mind. That picture, Jesus ascended, we're in that momentary pause. There's just a short pause, and then he's going to come back out. Just like the day of atonement, so it will be for the Lord Jesus for real. So there you go, six reasons. Let me summarize. Jesus will extend his reach. His ascension is like a detonator. It's like it sets off the bomb. It's going to extend its reach throughout the whole world, including you and me. It reveals his heart as the king of all glory. Right? What kind of king will he be? A benevolent king who gives out the most precious gift, the life-giving spirit of God to the world. Number three, the ascension means we have someone like me. There's someone like me in heaven. There's someone like Mike Walker in heaven. There's someone like you, someone with flesh and bones in heaven. Number four, this puts everything in perspective. Remember Stephen, because Jesus is on the throne, I can face anything, anything, because he's on the throne. Number five, it shows us the way home. It was a great homecoming for Jesus. It'll be a great homecoming for me too. And number six, we're in that pause. It's just a pause, a brief pause, and then he'll come. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for um, the amazing work of Jesus that finds its, um, its fullness and uh, its explosive power in the ascension as he becomes the rightful king of glory. We look to you, Lord Jesus, now and pray, Father, that even as we think about these things, as we consider these things, they would be to us life and health and perspective and an ability to cope and to know that you're with us, you're for us, you're moving amongst us, even by the power of your Spirit. Lord God, we pray, show us these things today and every day that we might live for that moment when you re-emerge with great glory. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Mary.